Hey, one more thing before you go. Do you want to learn how to cleanse your consciousness to transcend the ego and ascend it spiritually? Do you want to know the secrets to how you can achieve your life's purpose? How about the key to completely transforming your life? Stay tuned. We're going to have a conversation with a man that took the higher road. He transformed his life for a higher purpose, and we'll show you how you can also. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and this is The Thing About Finding the Higher Road to Transformation. My guest in this episode is D. Neil Elliott. He's a highly educated man who owned a profitable consulting firm. He had a successful career, an amazing wife and family. But things were not all they seemed to be. Neil was facing a lot of challenges in his life, and he was in a very dark place. And by accident, he discovered a higher road. As he traveled that road, he found the key to transforming his life and got an inner state of peace, love, joy, in abundance. He had a different perspective on life and it changed entirely. He found his mission in life was to share the knowledge he gained and the processes he used in his journey to self-awareness. Together with the blueprint he discovered that was instrumental in transforming his life, today we're going to discuss and have a conversation about how you too can take the same journey to discover and transform your life. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Uh, so am I. Uh, like I said, you know, in the intro, what an amazing journey. You have come a long way um, but uh, to where you were and where you are at now. Um, I know that we're going to talk about your book and, and kind of how you got there, but um, let's start at the beginning. Where'd you grow up? Uh born in Vancouver, British Columbia, and uh, just live south of Vancouver. Um, you know, kind of lived in Canada my entire life, across Canada, and born in 1960, so currently 61 years old. So we're pretty close. Well, we're with, we're about a, will we be a year uh, separated? So we're about the same age. Yeah, so well, that's a good age. <laughs> it's a good age, yeah. It's better than the alternative, right? <laughs> you, we, well, I don't know. The alternative sounds pretty good, too. We'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's funny. Do you have any, uh, do you have any brothers, sisters? Uh, so youngest of six, uh, my father died when I was five years old in 1965. And, uh, consequently my mom, you know, being, she had a university degree, but was a stay at home mom looking after the kids, of course. And, um, she had to, you know, my dad died in July, July 4th, 1965. And, uh, she had to go get a job, and uh, so she uh, yeah, took on uh, getting a teaching certificate and uh, started to work in September 1965. So the, the, uh, your father dying, that's an already very early age to lose your father, but that was difficult for you and your family. Well, I think it was very difficult for the family. For me, um, you know, I was so young. I mean, obviously, 
uh, and uh, I missed them, but uh, you know, a five-year-old, they, you know, they're kind of sad for a little while and then they're going to get carried on with whatever five-year-olds get carried on with. <laughs> yeah. You kind of just roll with it. <laughs> roll. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that we just kind of, you know, roll that way. My, I lost my father when I was uh, 17 years old. So it was a little more impactful. Yeah. Oh, I time. almost think that would be tougher because, you know, you've had a relationship and and you know what you're missing um you know i didn't really realize what i missed until i got older and recognized you know well i still don't know what i missed but i know i didn't have that influence my fatherly influence that other people had from that perspective did you go to university yeah i have an engineering degree and i have a postgraduate degree a master's of business administration as well so had you ever thought in your life that you would uh, be an author no, never really contemplated that. I mean, at one point in my life, I thought I'd like to write a mystery book, but, um, you know, it, it uh, there's a certain discipline required and, uh, you know, that's not where my energy went. So no, I didn't, didn't really think, even though you kind of dream about it, never really thought I would be. Yeah, I know you're, you are currently married. Currently married. Um, uh, first wife and I were together about 13 years and I had two children, a boy and a girl. And, uh, then we divorced and, uh, and I met the love of my life and we're still together. And, uh, she had an older son. So together we have three, three kids and, um, my daughter married a Texan and she has five kids. So I have five grandkids and they, they all live South of Houston. Very well, well, well done. We'll say well done. <laughs> You know, it's a blended family, and sometimes uh, when your uh, second love, of the first love of your life, actually, the actual love of your life comes into play, um, life gets pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, well, you know, you, you have that contrast, so um, yeah, no, it was uh, pretty amazing. Um, uh, you know, I mean, the divorce wasn't uh, exactly a piece of cake, but, um, you know, I think it was better for both of us. Well, I know that you had some obstacles that kind of uh, started showing up in, in your life that kind of started you down a kind of a negative path. Uh, can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so, um, and we'll get into this a little bit more, but, um, uh, you know, when we're young, so I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of consciousness and stuff like that. So, you know, when you're young, you you you, you come into this life and your brain doesn't really develop until you know, age five, where it starts to be able to make its own choices around things. Up until that time, uh, when you're a baby, you're just this sponge absorbing, you know, the energy, the emotions, the language, your culture you've born in, and, you know, all the rest of the stuff that you are exposed to. And that starts to shape how you think and feel. And, uh, and the choices you make, it starts to influence, you know, your, your thinking. And so I developed, uh, you know, I said, uh, a belief system, if you will, and uh, certain decisions and stuff that um, that just shaped how I thought about life. Now, I'm fairly logical and rational and, you know, I have an engineering degree, so, you know, uh, reasonably good at math, so to speak. And, um, and so, you know, kind of headed down that path. But what happens is we we develop these patterns of thinking and behavior and then at age five we start to make our own choices and things and they may be different than our parents and stuff like that but 
essentially what we're doing is we're we're developing this pattern we're programming our subconscious mind and um and so we all do this and and i did it and uh uh just over a protracted period of time um from 2002 to 2015 i just i drove myself into an ex deep depression a despondent uh, depression that drove me to sitting down and crafting a suicide note and um that's based on just you know my patterns of thinking and feeling and what i was drawing or attracting into my life and uh, we'll talk more about that but uh you know kind of that's that's essentially what happened and uh yeah yeah it's interesting when somebody um gets to that point in their life that they feel that the only outlet is um suicide taking that extra step to kind of end it from that perspective uh what stopped you well um okay so uh so i'll back up again and talk a little bit about this but um in the 90s i thought you know, so I in corporate world, so professional engineer um, and in the corporate world and worked in the hydroelectric industry for over 30 years in, in all the various aspects of hydroelectric. Uh, and I started out as an engineer and then moved into project management. So a few hundred thousand dollars to, you know, a hundred million dollars uh, in terms of project sizes. And um in the 90s, I thought I would like to kind of shift how I thought and be more open to different ideas and things like that, you know. So I picked up some spiritual books and read them. Uh, Tony Robbins, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Carolyn Mice, Napoleon Hill. You know, you're probably familiar with all of those books. And, um, and tried to change how I think, you know, positive thinking came into effect in the 90s and, you know, kind of did that. And I, and I worked 10 years on that. And and fundamentally, I could never really change how I thought, you know, there, there was things that were right and there's things that are wrong. There's things good, things bad, you know, and those are things that we shape as we as and reinforce as we get older in terms of our patterns of thinking. And um, then in 2002, I went into consulting and that all becomes about work, you know, pleasing the client. You don't get repeat work if you don't do a good job and deliver. And so um, life became about work. And so slowly this depression kind of crept on. And in 2015, I recognized I was in this place of asking myself, what's the point about life? Um, you know, it, it's, I'm working hard. Uh, I'm making a lot of money. I'm spending a lot of money. But there just seemed to be no point. Uh, my wife and I'd have these fantastic vacations, you know, go to Europe and and it was a lot of fun and, and uh, we had a lot of good times there, but inside I was a mess and we're all actors in our environment. We have this facade we can put forward to clients, families, and friends, uh, anything that we want to project. And so no one really knew I was in this mental state of this deeply depressed um, state I was in. And um, so I started to pick up in 2015 some more newly issued spiritual books to try and again change how I thought, followed all the processes, all great authors, you know, all great information and stuff, but I couldn't fundamentally change how I was thinking. So I made the decision I would uh, commit suicide. Like I just, I just wanted to end it. And um, this, I was reading these books and then this 
information showed up to me about a week before I sat down to craft this suicide note. And uh, it promised to liberate me from my thinking. And so I was sitting down at a kitchen table. Our house had sold after being on the market for seven years. I wanted to make sure my wife would be financially okay. And I could say goodbye to my kids and my family, you know, before I, I pulled the trigger. So being an engineer, I'm planning it out. And so I thought, well, about three months out, I will do that and, and get all the things done, get rid of a bunch of stuff I have that I don't need and don't need to burden people with after, after I'm gone. Um, so I sat down at the kitchen table and I started crafting this note. Uh, my wife had got on a plane after a house sold and went to Toronto, Ontario, Canada to visit relatives. And um, so I sat down at this table and crafted this note. But at the same time, this other blueprint document, I call it, showed up in my life. And um, I thought, well, what I'll do is it promises to liberate me from my thinking. So I'll read this document and see if it makes a difference. And if it does, great. And if it doesn't, then fine, I'll pull the trigger. And um, so I started on that process and, uh, and reading that document, absorbing it in. It was very logical and very rational and scientific based and uh, bridged this gap between spirituality and science. And a year later, I was kind of like my depression was totally gone. I was full of love and peace and joy. And, and I had this new verve for life, a new outlook in life and things I saw differently, even though maybe nothing changed physically around me. I just viewed things differently. and. Um, and I wanted to share this information from the rooftops and I thought I'm going to be looked at like a nutcase. Uh, so it took me a couple of years to figure out the best way to do that would be to write a book. And uh, so that's what I did is uh, I wrote a book and my goal is to share the exact process that I went through um, as well as offer for people after they've read A Higher Road from cover to cover and decide for themselves whether this process makes sense to them. If it does and they want to embark on this journey, then when they go back and either start with some of the science material or directly with step one, then when they're ready, I will share all of this information I gathered uh, for free with them. I've, I've put it into a PDF document that, um, that I share so that when they're going through the process, they can uh, follow the same process I went to. And uh, my goal, of course, is to, to help people. Um, Individually, you know, the more people that have this kind of spiritual transformation, the sooner we will bring um, the world into this new era of love and peace. And uh, and that's what uh, that's what I want to do. I want to help people do this. I want to bring help them bring love and peace into their own um, experience and their own life. And and with that, they will become a, a beacon of light for others to be curious about. And, uh, and maybe they can invite people to do the same thing. Well, that, you know, that's an amazing opportunity for somebody to kind of look at things from that perspective. I, I find it very interesting that you, um, you combined a, a scientific with a spiritual side of it, because typically, and I've had a mean over a hundred conversations in regard to spirituality in different areas. Uh, this is the first time that I've uh, really talked about the connection between science and spiritual, because that's, that's kind of unusual, isn't it, in today's society? 
Yeah, well, um, so for me, um, it, being an engineer, I like things that are logical, rational, you know, that can be observed, right. measured, and calculated. And so even though, you know, a bunch of other authors share a bunch of things which might work for some people, um, they didn't, even though I could believe it, there wasn't a process in place that, that in my mind made sense from a scientific perspective. And so, uh, you know, I look back now and go, all of these books I was reading in 2015 were actually laying this foundation for me to open me up and open up my mind to a new concept of consciousness. And it, it's like, um, you know, if you were a farmer, this is like uh, going into a new piece of land and, and getting rid of the, uh, I'll call it, getting rid of the stones of despair and breaking up the clods of non-comprehensions to, to create this fine tilled textured soil that you can plant new seeds in. And then you can tend those seeds and water and, and watch them blossom into, you know, kind of a new experience and a new concept of life, uh, so to speak for yourself. And, and I tell you, when you go through this process and if you follow it and you're diligent, um, you will be able to totally transform how you think about everything in existence and uh, more importantly or just as importantly uh, you know you just you're filled with just this inner peace and love and joy and you just want to share that with everybody you know some they say that there's only a certain number of individuals that have actually attained that uh, level like the 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 gurus the, um, the buddhist monks and the you know the the Dalai Lamas and things like that have have theoretically um, the only ones that can attain or have attained that level of uh, awareness, and I find that very unique. Number one and very intriguing. Number two, because I think that um, we all. I we, let me let me ask you this: Were you religious before the, all this took place in any in any form? Um, no, I was, um, you know, I grew up agnostic. Um, my mother, I would say, if I recall correctly, uh, you know, she's long gone now, but, um, she was more of an atheist than agnostic. But I remember as a child lying in the school playground, playground and, uh, you know, looking at the grass and the flowers and the trees and all the bugs and the clouds in the sky and everything and thinking, you know, this is pretty amazing. Like there's gotta be something behind all of this creation. That's the kind of my memory of that. But no, I, I was agnostic and um, open and to learning and, and uh, you know, experiencing, but uh, no, not religious at all. Can you help our listeners understand what agnostic means? Um, so, uh, well, I think that's, I think the best thing, you know, not atheist is in, no, there's not a God, maybe believing that, um, this is now my language, I'd never thought about <laughs> describing this before believing that there is a God or a creator, but not actually being tied to any religion and not having any preconceived notion or teachings around, you know, what that, what that form of creation is, but being open to it. Open to it. Yeah. Thank you for helping us understand that. Um, the, I, I grew up Catholic. Uh, I'm not a practicing Catholic. Uh, I'm more spiritual than I am anything else. Uh, I've evolved over a number of years in regard to that. So, to me, it, the looking at it from your perspective and looking at it from the way that you've 
that you've started to accomplish. So I've read part of your book. I haven't read all of it, to be honest, yet. Um, but the, I didn't have time in between interviews. Um, but the the perspective is a brilliant approach to understanding peace, joy, inner peace, actually, in joy and happiness. I think that we all strive to reach for. Everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to be a part of the universe collectively, I think. We're all human beings. We all have that desire and that need for something else out there that would allow us to enjoy life and to be happy and to be joyful. The blueprint that you got in the first place, was that given to you or did that just, how did that come to you? <laughs> you know, interesting story there. Um, I'd like to just pause for a second, do an eye drop sure. if you don't mind. Uh, so the, that document that was, it was interesting is I was, you know, I was reading these um, scientific books and some spiritual books that I share in a higher road uh, for people to consider reading. Um, and I was doing a search and I can't remember exactly what I was doing a search for, but I was trying to find, um, I think it was the I am discourses. I can't remember. And I just happened to come across this information. And if I had been in any other place other than this really deeply depressed state, I would have run from this information. It wouldn't have been something I would have even considered uh, looking at. And, but because I was in this state uh, so deeply depressed and searching for anything that could help me, um, I was open to um, taking a look at it. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of how it came, came to me. It was just this fortuitous um, search that, uh, you know, kind of just fell in my lap, so to speak. Yeah, before you had hit that point in your lifetime, you know, I think your bio has said that you had something three decades worth of seeking and looking and trying to find something more uh, to bring you that peace and that happiness and and that uh, the joy back into your life. Um, how far into that three decades did you finally um, get the enlightening, basically? Were you enlightened with what the answers really were? Oh, that didn't happen until I was um, started on this journey. So I was, you know, 58 by the time, um, you know, I digested this stuff and finally got to understand really, you know, um, how creation, why creation came about, how it came about, how we use the laws of the universe, the mechanisms, um, tools of creation. Uh, in our own lives to create every event and every experience that comes into our life. We do that through our thinking and our feeling. Is and, that the, uh, and we can talk about that. Yeah, is that the power of manifestation? I mean, we talk, people talk about the power of manifestation. Um, is that the power of uh, manifestation? Or is that just a universe it, collectively? Well, <laughs> so um, people talk about the power of manifestation and typically they're talking about trying to draw positive things or, or, or things that we want into our life. But that law is really the law of cause and effect. And that law uh, draws everything into our life, every good experience or everything we consider to be good, everything we consider to be bad, everything we consider to be happy and what we want and everything we consider to be negative. And that's, you know, this is the, the, the fundamental key is that when you actually understand consciousness in an entirely different way, and 
um, perhaps than what you already understand. Uh, so the, probably the best thing to do is describe it for everybody what my process was, how I shifted what I thought. And that might be the more enriching uh, kind of um, discussion. Um, well, does that make that. sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. Can we okay. talk about that a little bit and see what your process is so we all have a better understanding? I think, you know, your, again, your approach to this is, I mean, you, you can see you visually, for those that, that listen to the regular podcast and not on YouTube, you need to watch this episode because you can see it in your face. You know, I'm used to reading people and you can see the, the relax in your face. You don't have the lines and the crow's feet where from the stress and the anger and the worry and the, you look relaxed, you look happy. Uh, and, and I, that doesn't mean I don't experience those things you're talking about, but, um, especially when I'm having this conversation with people that are open and curious, I am very relaxed because I just, the spiritual energy flows into me and it, and it inspires me in terms of what to say. Um, that doesn't mean I always interpret it right, but it does inspire me in terms of what to say. So let me, um, let's first talk about, um, I didn't talk about the structure of my book yet, did I? Not yet. We can't okay, so let me talk book. about the structure of the book and then, and then that'll go directly into this scientific stuff. So um, there's five parts to my book. Um, my recommended way to read A Higher Road is read it cover to cover, understand the process in its entirety, and then make a decision for yourself. If it makes sense for you and it's logical and, and fits with what you want to do, then you go back and you either start with some of the science material that I share and recommend or start directly with step one and then follow the steps through logically um, and take your time with it. And... Um, and at that point, when you're going to embark on that, I'll provide all of that blueprint information to you. Um, and there's a way you, you'll find out how to do that when you when you read the book. Um, the other thing is that if if it doesn't ring true to you, I, what I ask you to do if you've bought a, a hard copy of the book or the paperback or a hard copy is to please just pass that book on to somebody else. We can never accurately judge the inner reality of another person you know someone that comes across very affable and kind and considerate might actually be a mess inside we just don't know and so you never know if you can pass that book on without colorful commentary and let them discover for themselves you may have done the, one of the biggest favors you will ever do in your life in terms of being able to impact them in a way which will totally transform their life so Please just pass it on if it didn't make sense to you. Hey, just a real quick reminder. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for being a part of the One More Thing Before You Go family. Please remember to subscribe and or follow us. We would greatly appreciate it. We do have an app that's available for you for free. You'll find it in the App Store or on Google Play. It is compliments of Superpass, our sponsor. Anything that you want to do with your business to take it to the next level, have an entertainment or an information hub in the palm of your hand, it's SuperPass. It will give you the unique opportunity for everything one more thing before you go. Please take the time to support us by subscribing, following, and visiting our unique merchandise store at beforeyougopodcast.shop. You'll find that link to the store in our website. It is beforeyougopodcast.shop. You can find our website at beforeyougopodcast.com and one more thing before you go.com.
You will find links to your favorite platform to listen to the show as well as the show notes for today's episode and contact information for our guest. And we appreciate you. Thank you for supporting and listening to us each and every week. So the structure of the book is this. Part one is an overview of the book. Part two is a memoir, my memoir of my life. And although I'm a private person, I, I did that in a very candid way. So people can understand, and I use Ill specific illustrations of how uh, the thinking and feeling that I adopted, how I adopted that, how I reinforced that, and then how that got me to the drive myself to this deep, dark, depressed state. And, um, and I do that so that people, if this makes sense to them, they can go back, look at their own life, perhaps and use it as a template to kind of sort through the kinds of thinking and feeling that they have adopted that brought these events and experiences into their life, whatever those may be. And uh, the third part of my book is this chapter on consciousness and on science. And that chapter is designed to give people a new perspective of what consciousness is. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But it's designed to open up your mind to be able to, when you go to part four of my book, accept, have your, play, have your mind open to a place where you will be willing to accept and read the information that, that I share with it in this blueprint document. Um, and you, do, you need to be, you come to that like a little child, uh, full of wonder, full of, uh, full of curiosity and without prejudgment. And if you can do that, and if you can read this material and understand it and digest it um, and, and do not doubt, doubt creates consciousness barriers that will block learning of new information and will eradicate learning that you've already gained, all this new knowledge that you've already gained. So you need to be able to, if you have read something that you're kind of questioning, you need to kind of keep that in abeyance. Uh, use positive affirmations. Just don't dwell on it. <laughs> Bottom line, don't dwell on it. And, um, and just follow the process. And the last part, part five of my book, is really my personal experience as I navigated and went through these seven steps. Uh, so that's the structure of the book. So when we talk about science and we get into the science chapter, this is really, um, I'll talk about how my understanding of consciousness evolved. So I used to think that consciousness was all in my brain and everything that I thought was something I'd been exposed to or learned over the course of my life uh, or experienced. And the first shift I had was I, to realize that consciousness was not only in my brain, but in my entire body and all around me. And I came to this understanding that you know, what we think is really not just in our brains, but it's like this stream that goes by our awareness. Excuse me for a minute. It's this uh, stream that goes by our awareness. And um, we will pick a thought out of that. We do this in a nanosecond. We'll pick a thought out of that stream. We'll look at it. We decide whether we like it, whether it's consistent with our thinking, being it a, a happy and joyful thought or angry and a hateful thought. And, but if it's consistent with our, our thinking, then we take it and we keep it. If it's not consistent with our thinking, if we don't necessarily agree with it, we'll we might just throw it back into that stream. And so these thoughts are going by us all the time. And uh, we just, we choose, we look, we throw back, we choose, we keep. 
And so the first thing I did was realize that, oh, consciousness is beyond just my brain. Then um, I read an author, all of this is shared in this chapter. I read an author that um, really discussed mind and memes. And uh, the one of the big things that came out of that conversation or, or that author's book is that everything that I believe to be right or wrong, true or false, good or bad, is really just a belief. We choose those beliefs when we're younger and we reinforce them that, yeah, that's right, that's wrong, that's good, that's bad, that's true, that's false. But really, they are just beliefs. And so that was a fundamental shift for me to understand that and, and kind of start to open me up to accept other material that I was going to read. So then I read a book uh, on epigenetics, which is all based in science and all documented in science. And what it shared was that our thinking and our feeling affects the expression of a cell. The expression of a cell is the work that it does. And so we can either promote the health and well-being of a cell or we can be detrimental to it through what we think and what we feel. The next uh, set of books I read, and, and again, I share a couple of these in, uh, in A Higher Road, is a, was a book on neuroplasticity. So in before the 1960s, science used to believe that your brain grew to a certain size and then it atrophied over time as you got older. And they discovered in the 1960s that you could actually change your neural pathways, how you think, how, how uh, information is transmitted through the brain, but you can also grow new brain cells. And there was one really easy read book, a uh, very pleasant read book, so to speak, um, that was by a medical professional that uh, talked about and used as examples people that, uh, as an example, had a brain injury that had negative effects from that brain injury and how through a process that they followed, they changed how they thought and they grew new brain cells. So that's neuroplasticity. And then I read um, a book about a near-death experience. This, is, this was a book by a woman who uh, was in her 40s. Uh, she had suffered from aggressive form of cancer for um, a four-year period. And um, her body was riddled from her waist to her head in full of tumors. And uh, she, her body weight went from a normal body weight to 75 pounds. And she um, couldn't lift her head and she required 24-hour care and she was on oxygen all the time. She fell into a coma. They rushed her to the hospital and um, they told the admitting physicians told her husband and her family she wouldn't make it through the night. She woke up 24 hours later, declared she would be okay. And 24 hour, and uh, within two weeks, they couldn't find a trace of cancer in her body. She had this spontaneous remission, so to speak. All of that medically documented in the hospital. She brought back certain messages and her book is around what she experienced in that coma for 24 hours. And she brought back certain messages, which again, just expanded my concept of consciousness and awareness. <coughs> and yeah, no worries. And that um, was really, I look in retrospect now, that was really just laying this foundation for me to be open to this uh, blueprint material that, um, that I received. Yeah, that book's an amazing book. Um, the, uh, I know which book you're talking about off the top of my head. I cannot remember the name of it, but uh, through the NDE circles um, that I kind of follow within Facebook groups and some other ones, 
it's like the uh, almost like a Bible. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know, she's what her experiences within that kind of open things in a whole new in a whole new way for you. Now, what you just described is 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 I could I think kind of what you talk about with uh, scientific discoveries and spiritual concepts and how they work together to help us understand our existence kind of more in a in a factual way and, and it still allows it to be kind of engaging. So I, I see the connection that you have right there because we are scientifically based. We all, like you said, we have cells, we have brains, we have blood vessels, we have hearts, we have everything else, but it allows for the, for the opportunity for the outside of that from a spiritual perspective to exist and work together. Uh, that's fascinating, actually. That's a brilliant way of explaining that. Yeah, so um, should I talk a little bit about this blueprint document just so it gives people a taste of... Uh... Yeah, if you will, please, I would appreciate it. Yeah, okay. So, um, so then uh, in the NDE, this, um, uh, this woman brought back specific messages that, um, that I'm going to link here. So one of them is that we come from love and we return to love. Um, she felt in her NDE state, in her coma state, that she was expanding to become a part of everything in the universe. So she described it as consciousness is in everything, tree, rock, per another person. Um, she also uh, brought back a message that said, we are not judged. No matter what we do here, we're not judged after death. That, so that, so at the time when I read that book, what that did is that gave me permission to commit suicide because I had this little, <clears throat> excuse me, had this little nagging doubt right. that if I committed suicide, I'd go to hell. Anyway, so. Um, Catholic, catechism, Catholic journeys, you're in purgatory. You, yes. You don't, you don't go to hell, you don't <laughs> go to heaven, you just kind of wander around. Oh, okay, okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, not a place that I necessarily wanted to be. So um, uh, her, that message to me, I didn't really understand it, but it was believable given her experience. And so then uh, I got this blueprint document and I started this process. And what this blueprint document does is it leverages what we know in science and allow and then teaches you some spiritual, some new knowledge, new information that will provide new knowledge to you so that you can actually understand uh, where we come from and why we're here. And then it gives you the entire process in terms of how to actually then start to make your connection back with the divine. So I'll call it the divine at the moment. You can call it God. You can call it our source, our creator, Yahweh, Tao, Allah, whatever you want to call it, doesn't matter. There's only one creator. <laughs> and, um, and so I'll call it the divine in this conversation. And um, so, for example, what do we know today in science that we didn't know 100 years ago? We know that at a subatomic level, everything is really just energy particles. We are all just energy. So science believes there was a big bang. Um, they don't know of what and they don't know why, but a big bang and everything that we see in the universe, including, you know, all the life forms we see came out of that big bang. They also understand electromagnetism came out of the big bang. They don't know why. 
Um, but there's nothing that electromagnetism does that's not purpose. And um, so, you know, uh, science believes there's this big bang and there's electrical particles. Somehow they fuse to form elements and some, and randomly those elements got together to form a living molecule and randomly those living molecules got together to form the first living cell. And then over billions of years, we have what we have today with all the various life forms. And when you look at a cell, um, you know, so the sperm fertilizes the ovum and you get the growth of over nine months, you get the growth of this intricate body. And when, and these cells in us, there's what we know in science today is that every cell in the body has the, has the library of information for the entire body. The only difference between a, a, a liver cell and a skin cell is the work that it does. And these cells in our body work in a harmonious fashion with each other to build and maintain whatever organ or whatever thing that they're doing. So when they're building uh, a liver and maintaining that liver, they never they suddenly spring into, you know, making an ear or a nose. And there's more harmony in our bodies and in our cells than we exhibit as humans. And um, so our attention really the first uh, uh, one cell deserves our attention. So let's look at one cell and um, discuss that for a moment. So when you look at a cell, it has this permeable membrane over it. And the question is, when did consciousness first seep into or creep into living matter? And is there consciousness in a cell? So let's look at a cell. It's got this permeable membrane over it. It discerns um, what nutrition is going to be good with it, good for it and healthy for it. So it accepts the right nutrition for that permeable membrane. And after it uses it and it builds up toxic waste, it um, discerns that that toxic waste is going to be um, unhealthy for it. And so it, it gets rid of it through that permeable membrane. That is the first act of consciousness. It is pers purposeful and um, it is, uh, you know, this process of and identification. And so if there's consciousness in a cell, then... The next question is, well, if there's consciousness in a cell, then why wouldn't there be consciousness in living molecules? And if there's consciousness in living molecules, why wouldn't there be consciousness in the elements that form to create the living molecule? And if there's consciousness in the um, living molecules, why wouldn't there be consciousness in the elements that combined to form a living molecule? And if in the elements, why not in the electrical particles? that fuse to form elements. And so when you look at that, there's some logic in stepping all the way back. Now, science may argue with some of that, and that's totally fine. But when you can actually understand what was before the Big Bang, so this document will describe exactly what was before the Big Bang, the uh, impetus for the Big Bang, what happened at the time of the Big Bang, and what happened with creation and why electromagnetism came into being. And electromagnetism deserves our attention. It is the, um, we are not matter imbued with consciousness. We are consciousness made visible through the descent of vibrational frequency of electrical particles. The only difference between a rock and a loaf of bread 
is the uh, number of electrical particles, the density of electrical particles, and the rate at which they vibrate. If you can uh, change the number of electrical particles or the density of those electrical particles and change the rate at which they vibrate, inject it with a new consciousness and you can have a loaf of bread. That's and so, wow. go ahead. I say that's really interesting. That's an interesting perspective. It, we talk about consciousness all the time, and I meditate. And when I get when I was taught meditation, you know, you're supposed to reach a certain level of consciousness. But what you describe is a different perspective on consciousness. Um, does it all still intertwine past that? Does in, does it go? We all have an individual consciousness as you just described, the way everything kind of worked together between the cells. And I've never thought about it that way, but how everything works together. I'm assuming, well, with my disease, for example, my rheumatoid arthritis, that can can consciousness stop that? Can, can we manipulate consciousness the way that you're talking about so that we can maybe prevent that from moving forward? So, um... Let's talk about our thinking. Let's talk about, so everything is consciousness. Everything that you see as solid um, is consciousness made visible. So there's nothing, like you see a hand, and we know in science today that there's more space in this hand than there is solid matter. Same with a rock. You could pick up a rock. There's more space in that. At a subatomic level, there's more space in that rock than there is anything that's solid. We are all here in... So your soul is a fragment of divine consciousness. And it is here on a journey. And you will be reincarnated or incarnated many times over many lifetimes because you're here in this school we call earth for your soul to learn the lessons it needs to learn on its journey to find its way back to reunion with divine consciousness i believe that wholeheartedly and so you'll come into lifetime after lifetime after lifetime in varying gender there's skin and varying places of origin right. uh, sometimes wealthy sometimes poor sometimes highly educated sometimes not educated all of these are designed for your soul to learn the lessons it needs to learn until one day it wakes up to understand the mechanisms of how it is creating every experience in its life. And when you understand these... Go oh, ahead. Sorry, go ahead, please. When you understand these mechanisms and you understand how all of this works, then you can make a conscious decision to start to go through this process I describe in my book. In a higher road to cleanse your consciousness of all the things that bring negativity and are actually in contravention with where you come from you come from unconditional love you return to unconditional love it is the mechanics and mechanisms of the ego the ego is the tool of creation to create individuality out of the wholeness of divine consciousness and you have come here to learn the lessons you need to learn. It is only through lessons of suffering does the journeying soul gain self-knowledge to retain individuality after discarding the ego. And so you have to take your framework off 
one lifetime, your frame of reference off one lifetime, and you look at it more as a perspective of um, a journey of a soul. So you may, this may be the lifetime for you to start that process of understanding and then starting to change how you think and feel. I'm going to answer your question. Mm -hmm. But, um, or it may have been in a past life when you started that. When you come into this life, you're already at a higher vibrational frequency and you, you, you kind of carry on with that process when you're in this life. I don't know where you are. I don't know where I am. I just know that there's this journey. And in short, the answer to your question is yes. But the mechanisms are described in this, in, in this process that I followed that enable you to understand that your thinking is an electrical impulse. Your thinking in your brain is an electrical impulse. Your feeling is a magnetic um, uh, it, it, these are the forms of electromagnetism. So you think with electrical impulse in your brain, you feel with magnetic impulse in your nervous system. Your thinking is a consciousness plan. What you think about is a consciousness plan. You magnetize it with your thinking, being a, a feeling of love or feeling of hate. And you create these blueprints. And we do this thousands of, thousands of them a day. And you magnetize them over repeated thinking and feeling you magnetize them to draw these experiences into your life. So you will draw illness into your life to create these forms of suffering for yourself until you wake up and understand what you're doing. And when you do this, you can start to go through that process to cleanse yourself of all of those things that bring these negative things into your life. All these things that are contrary to unconditional love. And when you understand this process and you do this, you start to cleanse yourself of all of those things. You start to see and understand your connection with the divine. You will make a connection with the divine by following this process and doing the meditation that's described. And eventually, so at the seven month mark, I started to feel this little tingling at the top of my head. It was about the size of a dime. I didn't know what it was. It expanded over time. And what it was, was I was actually growing new brain cells impressed with new knowledge that operated at a higher frequency. And as that grew, what happened is then the spiritual energy started to flow into my head. And then eventually it would go into various parts of my body. It might go down one upside, down one side, up the other side. Mm -hmm. And right now you could put a bowl over my head that goes down to the bottom of my ears. And that opens the entire top of my head. And when you go through this process and this, it, it, it takes dedication and it takes faith. And you're, when you go through this process, you're building faith in what you know and understand. And when you get this connection with the divine and you feel this inflow of energy, you will know that what you know is true. And when you know this and you carry on with this process, you continually go through this process of inner cleansing and rebuilding of your consciousness to be um, uh, in attunement with the golden aspirations of divine consciousness, and you become connected with it. And, and it is our creator, and it is unconditional love. God is only unconditional. We are not here to please God. We are here to express God. And your expression of God is unconditional love. And the more that you feel this, you will just want to share this with people. And, and you will want to express unconditional love. When I see a person today, I don't see them. 
I see them as a soul that is perfect, that is equal to my soul. It is unconditional love. And anything that they're doing externally, um, it is just merely their ego. It is their journey that is doing the things that they're doing that is, is their path to find their way back to the light. And you might not agree with what they're doing. You might think it is reprehensible what they're doing. And whatever you're thinking and feeling is, that's, that's okay about that. I'd never judge them for what they're doing now because I know it's just their journey. And what I try and do is just express unconditional love to them. I might not, I might not um, want to engage with them a lot. I might not want to sit down and have them as a friend because I want to always express unconditional love to them. And I want to hold them in a place in my mind which um, you know, expresses that unconditional love and helps them on their journey to wake up and then start this process to cleanse themselves of all of these um, behaviors that they have. And I may have done all kinds of reprehensible things in a past life. You know, I just, I don't know, but it is just part of this evolutionary process for the soul. Yeah, it, it's, I believe in reincarnation. I believe in the fact that we spend um, multiple lives on this earth to learn. I, I have complete faith in that, in that we collectively you know, share that my wife and I, uh, we believe that we have met before in past lives and, you know, we've met again in this life and, um, same thing with our kids, my wife and my oldest daughter joke around that in another life, they were sisters and in actuality, they act like sisters <laughs> here, which is kind of unique. Yes. Um, I really appreciate what you had said about the fact that, uh, how we create for ourselves. Um, uh, for every experience that we have, that we attract that. I think that's the way I, I caught that when I wrote a note down. We kind of uh, attract that. We create our, our uh, everything we bring to us, we create. And that, that includes every, everything, the health, um, happiness, joy, uh, prosperity, whatever it happens to be. We have the ability to create that ourselves, correct? Yes, yeah, absolutely. And well, not only the ability to do it, we do it. We do it unknowingly, we do it unwittingly, we do it ignorantly because we don't understand these mechanisms. And and in a higher road, I, I share as a concrete example for people, something that I created back in 2011. I manifested this um, $60,000 hardtop convertible Lexus. I did it unknowingly, ignorantly, had no idea that's what I was doing. Yeah, but I was just, <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, but I didn't, I said, I did something every day that I describe in a higher road that over the course of a year manifested this for me. I didn't know it was coming. I didn't even know it was a hundred dollar lottery ticket. I didn't even know this car was in that lottery and it manifested in my life. Later in the book, I describe exactly the mechanisms that we use with this new knowledge of spirituality that I have and um, this new knowledge of, of how and why the universe was created and how we use these mechanisms uh, to manifest everything in our life. And so I use that as a concrete example, one that how I actually did it or, or how I did it. And then two is the actual mechanics of, of what we do um, that creates these experiences or events that come into our life. 
Yeah, you created and this process with everything. We have a delay. I'm sorry. sorry. I, I've, I've cut on you twice. I'm sorry. You're talking in British oh. Columbia, and I'm talking in from Phoenix, and um, there was a slight delay there, so my apologies. No, no worries. It's via Japan, by the way, but just, you know. <laughs> via Japan. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing, the extra chatter in my earpiece. <laughs> um, the... Uh, your your process is a seven step process, correct? Correct. How how long does something like that take? Is it is it individual? Is is I mean, do you set a time limit on each one of these steps, or is it something that uh, this step happens if you follow this process? This step happens when it's supposed to happen. Um, so there's no time limit on it, um, and it's individual for people. This is, this is a, a process where, you know, life is a journey within. It is not, you know, we're driven by our, our externalities and we're driven by all of the things that we see. In reality, what we see and what we believe or what we see is really just a reflection of our beliefs. It's a mirror of what we believe. When you change what you believe, you change what you see, even though nothing in your external environment may be different. And so this is a process when you go through it, it's very specific about the things that you need to cleanse. And it's very specific about um, the, the new knowledge you gain will help you understand these golden qualities of uh, divine consciousness that you would like to aspire to become your consciousness. And when you go through this process, it's a, it's a bit of a repeat, uh, rinse and repeat process that you're going to go through. But when you follow these steps and you do what I've outlined in this book, I believe you will, you can totally transform your life, no matter whether you're living on the street or you're in a mansion, whether you're ill, whether you're healthy, whether you're happy, whether you're depressed, you can totally bring yourself into alignment with our creator, with the divine. And when you do that and you have this connection with the divine, your life changes. It is, it is totally, for lack of a better word, it is magical. It is, oh, it truly yeah. is. I think we all need a little magic in our lives um, at some point or another to help us to move forward in a positive way and to do it uh, in, in a way that uh, allows us to be more happy and express more joy and love. world needs a lot more love than it has now. Let's yeah, talk about absolutely. Let's talk a bit about how to get your book and how to find you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my website is dneilelliot.com. Now the the D is just the official first initial of my name uh, to differentiate me as uh, as an author and on the internet I go by Neil. But the website is dneilelliot.com. Uh, the book is uh, called A Higher Road. Cleanse your consciousness to transcend the ego and ascend spiritually. And I offer a seven-step process to inner peace, joy, love, abundance, and prosperity. It's available uh, on Amazon in uh, hardcover or paperback or ebook, and it's available through your local bookstores. Uh, and and it's in all the favorite ebook forms of Kindle, Apple, Nook, Kobo. Uh, and it's available globally. And I'll make sure that I, all that is in the show notes too. So then on the webpage we have on before you go podcast.com, there'll be uh, links there for our listeners and our viewers as well. 
so they have an easy way to find your book and to connect with you personally. Um, you give some personal follow-up to, to some of these processes. Uh, if people ask me questions, absolutely. You know, as they're going through it and uh, if they have any questions, then I ask, please reach out and you can, you can get that information, that contact information on the website. That's brilliant. It's an amazing journey that you've come from as far back as you have come from, especially coming from the verge of suicide to sharing uh, love, joy, and prosperity, happiness, and abundance. Uh, now, it's a huge step, as we talked about before the conversation. Um, I have dealt with the, the negative and the dark road too many times and saw too many people not come out of it. And you have overcome it and climbed a mountain and stand atop the mountain with uh, something that uh, is an opportunity for people to move forward in a very positive way. So I appreciate it. Yeah, well, and, you know, a, again, and, you know, I'm, I'm, it's a pleasure to be here and having this conversation with you. And, and my goal is to help change the consciousness of the world one one person at a time you know and when you're ready for it and it makes sense to you then you know please 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 do that absolutely this speaking of changing this is one more thing before you go so before we go do you have any words of wisdom you'd like to share um i think that the big thing is that um you know you are maintained and supported in unconditional love always and the the thing that blocks you from feeling it and experiencing it is these mechanisms of the ego. And when you learn how these, um, how creation, uh, you know, was created and how these mechanisms work, you can undo that and you can connect back with where you truly come from and, uh, and with our source. And when that happens, your life changes and it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're on the street or you're in a mansion or ill or, or healthy and um you can start to correct when you understand these processes you can start to um, slowly correct these health issues that um, you know you may be plagued with and um you know as uh, uh this near-death experience of this woman that you know as soon as she actually understood where she came from and where she was returning to her cancer disappeared within two weeks. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen for people that go through this process I'm talking about, but um, because she is so, um, what's the word? She she just knows at, at the deepest level who intuitive. she really is. Yeah, she knows at the deepest level who she really is. And this process will get you in touch with that and allow you to, to experience these same kind of things. And I, and I share some of these um, meditations I have, which were truly amazing and remarkable in, in my book as well. Well, that's profound words of wisdom. Uh, D, D, Neil, and Neil, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your journey. And it's been a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing your journey and your expertise and your wisdom with us. Well, thank you, Michael. I appreciate being here. And, uh, uh, namaste. Namaste. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. 
And one more thing before you go, have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.